Uh, tell me during the break, uh, from Idaho, that's a long way. How'd you end up in Athens? Um, well, after I um, got out of the Marine Corps, um, I was actually stationed in California, Camp Pendleton, and uh, from there I moved to Las Vegas. And after a time, you know, um, trying to raise some kids, I didn't really want to raise my family in that type of environment. And I wanted to do more um, in the law enforcement um, realm, so I just picked a few states. Actually, Idaho was one of them. <laughs> um, and uh, But the biggest thing I was looking for was the law enforcement opportunity in comparison to the cost of living, and Georgia was the state that won. And so how long have you been here? I've been, I moved here in 2006, started off in Dawsonville, and then um, moved into Athens in 2011. So I've been here about nine years. Now. All right, and then some biographical stuff. How long in the Marines? Ten years. And what did you do there? Um, started off in the infantry mm-hmm. um, with um, with um, th- um, in the state of Virginia, went over to um, Tennessee Marines in um, North Carolina, went overseas, came back, cutbacks got us. Um, so I was in the reserves for, for a little bit. Um, I was actually in charge of all the messaging um, that come through um, and um, found a message that um, authorized 500 prior service Marines to go back active duty. So I jumped on the bandwagon and went back active duty and was discharged in 93 after Desert Storm to uh, cutbacks once again. Mm. All right. And so the career in law enforcement, why, by the way, what about law enforcement as a career appeal to you? Um, I've been doing this for almost 17 years now. Um, I actually got started, um, I, I, I call my second mom and my best friend. We grew up together. Um, in Idaho, she was actually um, worked for the sheriff um, in our county, um, and in between my stints in the Marine Corps, she goes, "I think you'd be really good, good at law enforcement. Why don't you go downstairs and talk to the to the lieutenant?" And I was actually hired aboard as a reserve deputy. Um, I was with them for about three months before I went back in the Marine Corps, and um, I was actually involved in an accident when I was when I got out of the Marine Corps the, the second time. Um, I went home. My brother was a uh, was a law enforcement officer at the time out at the local district, and when I went right along with him, we ended up actually ended up into a vehicle pursuit, and that just got the adrenaline going again. <laughs> and and uh, yeah, so the rest is history. I got back in, and uh, I started off actually in the corrections um, environment in um, Las Vegas, worked for the um, uh, private organization with the with the Bureau Federal Bureau of Prisons, and then here in um, Georgia with the Department of Juvenile Justice, and then now. Uh, most recently with the Clark County Sheriff's And for how long in the Clark County Sheriff's Office? I was at there for just over nine years. Okay, nine years in the Clark County Sheriff's Office. Let's get right to it. I mean, in nine years, you had a chance to see, work with, work under. The guy who has the job now, the man who wants another term as the sheriff. Why do you want me to fire that guy? Um, well, we've, we had, the Sheriff's Office um, had three um, organizational audits. Two of them were under the sheriff. One in 2005 and the most recent one in 2018. And... There was a lot of issues going on. We were losing a lot of people, um, a lot of very good people, um, to very for various reasons. And so when I, I had just got promoted to sergeant, and I was telling my telling my uh, my my staff, my crew, that if this audit truly is an anonymous audit, then we need to get our voice get our voice heard. If we're going to have any type of change whatsoever, we got to voice our opinions on what's going on. Um, never in my mild, wildest imagination that 93% of the staff. Um, participated in the audit. Um, the audit was a very um, eye-opening experience, um, but what got me the most was the finger pointing afterwards. You know, they're pointing at the first-line supervisors, the sergeants, and they say it was our fault because of all the turmoil. And I actually questioned it. Now, now I'm sorry, what, Robert here, candidate for sheriff, what, what was fault what? The re- retention rate or like the thereof, rate, morale? The morale, um, the, the, we're, with us losing more and more people, 
mandatory overtime came in and went from voluntary to mandatory. Um, at the beginning, it was one or two days a month. Um, then it ended up being um, five days a month. And then when I got promoted to sergeant, before we um, devised a, a mandatory um, calendar system, the shift that I supervised, um, these guys work 12-hour um, schedules, they're, so they're off 14 days a month. They're working 10, 11, sometimes 12 of those 14 days in overtime because the shift the, the shift that we were working with on the overtime side didn't have anybody. All right, I can sum all that up, and I'm sure you've heard this. I can sum all that up in one word, uh, or actually three words, money, lack of money. Uh, the, the sheriff would say, listen, we only have so many dollars. We only have so many people. If we had more dollars, we could have more people. We could pay them more, could uh, spread them out more in terms of the work schedule. The workload would be less. But it all comes back to resources. Mm -hmm. What do you say to that? Well, um, it's, it is resources to, to, a, to an extent, but when our maximum um, staffing is 192 um, personnel. That includes the civilian, the civilian side also. Um, those positions are still allocated. So we're actually spending um, the money for one person to work overtime. That money is being spent for two people. So, so if we would actually recruit, we would be we would be spending less overtime money. Then and having these having these officers. Well, the the um, issue of retention too. That that I would assume comes back largely to money. Okay, I'm a I'm a deputy here, but they're paying more in the next county over there, so I'm going to go there. That that speaks a lot to retention or the lack thereof, doesn't it? Well, yes, it does. But unfortunately, it's not about the money. We've actually lost some really good deputies um, to Oglethorpe County, for example, who actually at that time made eighteen to twenty thousand dollars less a year than we started off at. Um, so it wasn't about the money. It was the way the, the officers are being treated. It's the, the um, consistent workload that, that, we're, that we're dealing with, um, the stuff that we're finding in, in the jail with, with the lack of officers in the continuing um, overtime that these guys have to work. The inmates even saw it. And when I first started, we, you know, we would do our shakedowns, our regular shakedowns as, as normal. And we would find the, the usual contraband, you know, stuff in the kitchen and, you know, the, the, the condiments and stuff like that. We wouldn't be finding weapons. Once our, our retention level started decreasing and our officers started working more and more overtime, we're finding more weapons. We're finding more drugs. What, what's, what speaks to the fatigue or what are we talking about? Um, I would think it's fatigue. Yeah. So they're, 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 um, they're not focusing more on, on, the, um, on the, the supervision of the inmates. Um, they're some of them are not to my in my opinion not being you know they're being dogged out they're not being treated fairly um, instead of if a person makes a mistake instead of training them and and working on the mistake or finding out what that mistake how that person would uh, made the mistake or the um, if the person was trained properly they would be pretty much yelled at by the supervisor. Are there any the indications of corruption? I, I'm going to look the other way because maybe there's an enticement for me to look the other way. Any of that going on? Well, if if there is, I haven't seen it. Um, is it I, I've, 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 I've been in the trenches for, for the most of my career. Um, I was only a sergeant for the last um, nearly two years. Um, of that. So if it is in fact going on, I have not seen any of it. No. I was noting your website, uh, Robert Hare's website, Hare, H-A-R-E, Hare, the number four, Hare4Sheriff.com. Simple enough. Uh, four planks to the platform here. We'll touch on them briefly in the time we have left. Security and safety, education and outreach, recidivism and rehabilitation, and community involvement. Let's take the last one first. Uh, community involvement, getting the community involved. What are we talking about here? Uh, well, one of the things I was always frustrated working at the sheriff's office was the 
how little we were with the community. Um, I actually taught a, um, a safe driving seminar called Pride Parents Reducing Injury and Driver's Error, um, which is a, uh, would say was a two-hour seminar um, talking about the licensing requirements um, for teens and safe driving for teens. Um, unfortunately, that's the, that uh, program lost funding through the state, so we, um, we, weren't, we weren't teaching anymore. But when, um, with the Athens-Clark County Police Department, when Chief Freeman came into, uh, into, into office, um, and even with the current chief um, in office now, they do a lot for the community. Every time, every, every time there's an event, you know, you, you hear, you know, the police department this, the police department's doing that, you know. And I've always kept asking myself, where's the sheriff's office? Why are we out there um, doing things? Well, one of the things that Sheriff Edwards would point to, he'd talk about his D.A.R.E. program, the drug education program. Correct. Um, the Dare, he, he's been involved with D.A.R.E. a long time, um, as, as I, I heard um, John Q. On, on his interview. Um, you know, we're not in all the schools. One thing I'm going to be looking at is is how effective it is that program. Um, if it is effective, then we you know we do need to be in all the schools and 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 get more buy-in with the program. Um, if it's not, I'm also um, looking at the Georgia Sheriff's Association. They also have an additional program called Champs. Um, I just just um, saw that program yesterday, so I'm I'm learning a little bit more about that. Um, but we do need to get more involvement in our schools. Um, you know, there, there's, there's a huge epidemic in, in Clark County um, with the op opioid um, epidemic. So, we know, we need to get that education out there. So whatever program um, is out there that will work to get that message to our kids, then that's the program I'm going to be looking at. Would speak also, I suppose, to education and outreach. What do you mean when you say that? Um, education, the, the, the biggest thing is the the... A lot of the people, surprisingly, with the sheriff being in office for, for nearly 20 years, they don't know who the sheriff was. They don't know exactly what the sheriff's office does. Um, a lot of them are, didn't even know that we were actually law enforcement officers. Well, let me tell you what I know, and this is the common perception, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, you do a couple. You serve warrants. Correct. Uh, you run the jail. Correct. We also provide the safety and security courthouse. Of, of the courthouse as well. Um, but... Other than that, they don't really they don't really know what we do. Right. Um, well, I was in warrants at, at one time, and I and I was involved in a traffic stop, and the person I was pulling over wasn't stopping, <laughs> and and the funny thing about it was, when she finally did pull over, um, there's this little little elderly lady going shopping, but she saw me behind her, but didn't know that we were actual law enforcement officers. <laughs> and, oh, and I'm like, so, you know, I, I did chuckle about that a little bit, but it, just, it gave me the realization just how much people didn't know what mm -hmm. we do. You know, it's not all about just, you know, serving a warrant and putting someone in jail or supervising them inside the jail or making sure the courts are safe. You know, we, we need to do a lot more. Um, is get, get more the community involved in what we Yeah, that, that issue of courthouse safety, as it happens, uh, today the 15th anniversary of the Fulton County Courthouse shootings on March 11th of 2005. The four people, actually three killed at the courthouse and another elsewhere. Uh, we've had other incidents uh, around the state and elsewhere. Uh, how good of a job are we doing? Where, what's, where is there room for improvement on that front locally? Um, in the courts, it's mostly the security. Um, we actually had an incident in our in our courthouse as well, where an, an inmate um, was on the fifth floor of the courthouse and subsequently made it over the rail and um, unfortunately landed um, four stories down. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Um, and you know, that, that that got me to take a look at a little bit more. Also, is 
you know, we have we have a you know a lot of inmates in the jail, and they all they all need to spend their you know do their time in court so they can so they can hopefully go home uh, after they've after they've served their sentence or acquitted or whatever you know the, their process is. Um, but it all comes down to staffing as well. We need more people in the courthouse as well. Um, when I've gone to the courthouse, even even now, and now that I'm now that I'm a, a former um, sheriff's deputy, I go to the courthouse, and it's the same thing. One person at the security checkpoint. They're all up there in the courts, you know, trying to supervise the inmates, and even that's a stretch, because we got more inmates there than we than we have the number of deputies to supervise them. Well, the argument would go that that two people manning a security checkpoint cost twice as much as one. Well, there's actually people assigned to the doors. There, there's there's a, a, a team of two to three um, deputies assigned to the doors, both the um, the lower door, which is the Hancock Street door, mm-hmm. and then the main door up on on um, on Washington Street. But once court starts and we have a mat, we have a, a big you know if we say we have a you know fifty or seventy inmate um, court list for whatever court. Does that happen, uh, by the way, that many in a day? Oh, absolutely. Oh, wow. Absolutely. Um, if before the new jail leave it open, we used to have more. Wow. Uh, we've, we've had as high as 100 wow. um, in there. And, but you got to have the deputies um, to supervise them. You know, the, the typical ratio is one, one deputy to four inmates. But if you've got, say, for example, you know, 12 inmates um, in a courtroom, you typically should have three deputies, but we may only have two, and in some cases, one supervising all of that. And you also got to you know, worry about the general public of the um, courtroom as well. And Robert Hare, candidate for sheriff in Clark County, the election in May. Recidivism and rehabilitation. Uh, what's the what's the role for the sheriff's office there? Um, well, I actually got this um, looking at this when I first started getting into corrections. Um, I worked in Las Vegas. Um, some of the we, we used to get all the all the case files of the inmates prior to them coming to us. And so I would review them to see kind of like where they got their start. And most of them got started in the juvenile system. And I started working in the juvenile system. And then when I started working at the, at the sheriff's office, those very same, those very people that I supervised in the juvenile system were now the inmates in the adult system. And even today, nine years later, many of those then juveniles, now adults, are still in the system. They're still either in the jail. Or I, I have referred over the years. I've referred to jails and prisons. I call it criminal college. I mean, you can go there and get an advanced degree in whatever got you there in the first place. Um, yeah, um, that that could be sometimes true. But you know, but we need to have we need to have programs in place um, to hopefully get them out of the system and and um, have them become productive members of society. I actually attended a class that was sponsored by the Georgia Jail Association at uh, Gwinnett County Sheriff's Office, and it was um, based upon restorative justice, and it was various programs put into place to help the inmates get back in society successfully. And a lot of that was looking at, not looking at why they were there, is looking at what got them there. What was their story? Um, and we'll take one of the things I, I used in my in my um, website is the example for um, theft by shoplifting. Okay. Okay. We're looking at the crime of theft by shoplifting. Okay. Yes, they they stole something, say from Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Instead of looking at the crime, looked at why. What possessed the person to actually steal something or take something that didn't belong to them without paying for it? It could be that they're homeless. They're trying to find something to eat. It could be a single parent trying to find something to eat for their for their family, put clothes on them. There's always a story. Or it could be that I'm trying to sell it and make a profit. That too. 
Um, and those are the ones, you know, unfortunately we're not going to be able to help because no matter what we do, no matter what program they're going to put in place, they're still going to do what they're going to do. These programs are designed for the people that want to help themselves, want to get back in society, get back with their families, and become a productive member. I actually saw a, uh, an inmate um, at a, one of the local fast food places. Um, he was one of our frequent flyers. We saw him almost monthly. Mm. He was homeless then. He's now a manager of a fast food restaurant. And that's one of many, uh, many, many stories of inmates that come up to me and, and shake my hand and ask me how I'm doing. And they tell me what their story is. And that's what got me, you know, to think about, you know, v- you know, various things. Instead of, you know, keeping them locked up, let's find, find ways to get them out and keep them out. And the website, uh, Robert Hare's website, Hare, H-A-R-E, Hare, the number four, Hare for sheriff.com. Is this your first time running for office? Yes, sir. Uh, what's that process like for you? What, what do you expect is, over the next uh, 69 very, days? It is very interesting. It's very humbling. Um, it's a huge learning experience. Um, I actually spent a lot of time with, you know, with, with the campaign. Um, I don't, um, once I left the sheriff's office, I have not worked anywhere else. My, you know, my wife and I was you know, blessed financially, um, so that we don't ha- I don't have to work. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing. Um, you know, we, uh, the support that I've been getting is just, is, is, um, it's amazing. It's very humbling. Um, and the, the, the amount of people that just, you know, that are, that are, that are, um, supportive of, of you know, me running, you know, I've got to talk to um, Governor Kemp last week. I got to meet um, Commissioner Neesmith um, and talk about some of the view, some of the views there. Um, I'm looking at talking to other commissioners. Um, it, it's 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 been an interesting interesting task.